Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Burdine and joining me is Bill Stenross. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you are uh, one of the other founders of One, uh, Northern Pitch before that. Uh, the Loon Call was your original blog that, that you did. And uh, you've never been on this podcast. I have not been on this podcast yet. Yeah, I'm so, very excited. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can sense the excitement in the room. Um, so, yeah, I, we this week have a very special guest coming on. You won't talk to him, Bill, but I did. Because uh, Grant Wall is here. Because it was Grant Wall Day this past weekend. Congratulations. How did you celebrate? Um, I celebrated by nearly crying listening to Wonderwall after yeah. the win. That was... Uh, I mean, even though it was against a terrible DC United team and should have happened, it was still great. Beating terrible teams is is still beating a team. So That's right. It's three points no matter who you beat. Um, yeah, so Grant Wall Day is the day every year we will celebrate this when Minnesota beat, gets their sixth win of the year. Hopefully it happens sooner in the season next year. Um, and I've got uh, Grant Wall, uh, who I talked to on the phone earlier today. Uh, actually, I talked to him on a, a new app to get good quality, and it uh, was crappy. So the interview is is not bad, but like my voice keeps on overdriving. So I apologize for that. I, I'm I'm like testing out all these things to make everything work better and failing uh, every time. Uh, so we've got that. We've got some good, the bad, and the weird. We've got lots of questions, and then also uh, you were covering USA Cup uh, for Top Drawer Soccer. Last week, whenever that was. Uh, and so, eventually, we're going to talk about that. Um, but let's start with the good, the bad, and the weird. Um, the good, did you... I don't know if you watched this U.S. women's versus, versus Brazil. I didn't see much of it. Okay. Well, that's all right. Um, I didn't know that the Tournament of Nations was going on. In fact, I did not know the Tournament of Nations was a thing. Spoiler alert, it is a thing. Uh, it was a tournament just between... Uh, Brazil, Japan, Australia, and the U.S. And uh, U.S. is playing Brazil. And it ended up with crazy, with basically nine goals in the last three minutes. So everyone just Google U.S. Women Brazil highlights from this week. Um, But Brazil went up uh, a minute in off of a howler um, from the goalkeeper, uh, Nair. And uh, go then eventually gets to 3-1. In the 80th minute, Rapino gets her second assist, and then uh, Rapino gets a goal, etc. And then the 89th minute is beautiful. Anyway, I, I don't need to describe it. You should go watch all the highlights. I, I, I'm actually kind of I'm really excited about the fact that they're doing the Tournament of Nations. Um, the U.S. women's team really struggles to have meaningful matches outside of Olympic and World Cup games, and even if they did. Uh, North and South American tournament, there'd be so many pool play games that are just not worthwhile for them. I mean, they, these are the best teams in the world that aren't playing in the, uh, the women's, women's Euro, Euro yeah. tournament. I, so Yeah, I mean, I, I, I the word meaningful there is, I mean, it is games against good, uh, good teams. And it's not, you know, last what was it, last summer they had like two... Back-to-back fi- uh, friendlies against China. I was like, really, guys? Um, but yeah, I, I, I struggle to care. I, I don't even care when anyone plays friendlies, other than 
even Minnesota United, it's tough for me to care. But that's the good, at least. Yes. The bad, NASL bad news. We thought we were at least going to have a, a respite from this for a while. But San Francisco Delta's, uh, not the owner, but the, the general manager, president, um, puts up a, uh, late, late last week, puts up a... We need more people to come to games. You should get more people out there. Kind of a call and saying like, hey, you know, the, things are not going as well as we want. Very open, honest. I, I really appreciated it. Um, but then, you know, it comes out. Uh, I spoke to, to people in and around the team. Uh, and, yeah, they are in big trouble. The, the players, everyone was told, basically, there's a 90% chance that we are not, not going to be in a team next year. Which... It's just astounding to me. I mean, how how does how does the team the league let in a team that it's getting average attendance, getting twenty five hundred people? You know, that, that's the, that's not crazy low for NASL. And but I, I think twenty five hundred just isn't enough. It's not no. When you don't have any other sources of real income other than merchandise, yeah, you got to be at five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand. I mean. Indy 11 is really the only team that is breaking even or getting even close to that yeah. in the NASL. And they're doing that by not paying anything on players. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how... Well, but, they, but they Deltas kind of... came in and spent a lot of money on players. Yep. And, I mean, but even if you had a bad year, so right, it didn't. they didn't get as many people out as they wanted. The fact that you can't float that. I always go to Tom Fath from FC Edmonton, his quote of like, if you're not, you know, you should not do this unless you won't bat an eyelash when you lose $5 million a year. That, like, that's the reality that all these people, and, and, you know, most teams are not losing $5 million, but. Well, for the Deltas, when you, you know, have cross-country trips every time you're doing away trips, it's just, it's it's a lot of money that, you know, but, but the traveling and everything. I'm not. I'm not excusing the fact yeah. that they're. It's just. But I hear the 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 travel thing come up a lot, and you know that's something that um, Peter Will always puts to bed. And he's like, "Look, the the extra cost that these guys will accrue is nominal. You know, it's ten percent more uh, of of costs. And costs are not travel costs are not that big of the budget. They are big, but it's but it's not. There's all these other things, but." Okay. Um, won't belabor it. That is bad. I'm really depressed. I want NASL to succeed. And, uh, at least the good part of that, of NASL stuff is this Wednesday, while there's a meaningless all-star game going on, uh, FC Cincinnati and Miami FC are going to be playing in the U.S. Open Cup, which that is... That is going to be fantastic. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I'm terribly excited about that. So, just the, the last weird note I will say is, uh, that Alfie, John Alfbuga... As I, I know I talk about we talk about this every week. His Instagram is killer. He was live. Uh, he was in a tattoo shop today checking out tattoos. I think he was inspired by Guns N' Roses, which he also he took ca- his cataloged. Coach. Yeah, he took, took Marius Ropti and him. I went amazing. I love it. So that's the weird. Uh, I want to ask you about USA Cup. Yeah, the USA Cup. I was a fantastic experience. Explain, uh, most people know USA Cup, but give the, the basics. So, of- so the basics of the USA Cup is it is the largest tournament in soccer in North America, and I think South America, Western Hemisphere, Western, yeah. I believe, um, 
that is all in one location. Uh, you, you, it's all on the on the fields up in Blaine. It has divisions, I think, from U nine all the way up to U uh, nineteen, and it draws teams. A lot of teams are local, but there was a number of teams from around the United States and around the world. Yeah. I saw some fantastic soccer and just it, it was great to watch it particularly when you know it bookending that was watching minnesota have the most drab zero zero draw i've ever seen <laughs> the houston, houston draw, and yeah. then just not being able to compete against new york red bulls i they it was fun soccer and people who were passionate about it and loved it um i saw some really quality players uh local players that I think have a shot to play, uh, if not D1, definitely have a great college career in soccer. Um, it was a, it was just nonstop soccer. I mean, I think I watched 40 hours of soccer at, uh, during the USA Cup week, and it was great. And so, uh, as and you and this is uh, boys and girls soccer. Uh, are there? You did like a top. 15 list of each, right? For top drawer? Yeah, I did a top 10 of each. Um, um, I got to see uh, Manny Lagos's nephew. Oh, Manny really? Lagos, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is it Gerard's kid? Gerard's okay, kid, yeah. yeah. He was playing up with the U19s, uh, St. Paul Blackhawks. He was he was not the best player on that team, but they were fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they actually ended up winning their division over some really good uh, international sides. They just... Uh, Great soccer, uh, really, really under like a team that understood the game hmm. really well. Um, but I mean, even watching the U15, you can see you start to see some players really differentiate themselves with either their drive, their touch. Um, I got to see uh, Achilles' brother, um, play and just watching Mukwele Akali, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his uh, his uh, first name, but just watching his first touch. Um, the way he was able to bring down a ball from that was kicked to him from 40 yards away and just with, just lay it down in front of him. Uh, it was really great to see. And I think there's some real... It, it reminds you of why soccer exists. It's a game. It's for fun. You know, this is not drawing the best teams, the best clubs. You know, these are not the teams that are driving players to, you know, into uh, playing international... Uh, getting looks at by the U U seventeen U twenty teams mostly, but they're good players and they like soccer. And there's seeing their soccer awareness and knowledge after knowing what soccer was like when I played, where we all just ran in mm -hmm. bunches. It was great, yeah, um, and a lot of fun. Hmm. Cool, cool. Um, and uh, Macquarie College brother is he for MTA? The yeah, Minnesota yeah. Thunder. Okay. okay. Although they 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 had some goofy only funny for to teenagers name, that was like get trolled backwards. Oh, anyway, they they thought they were pretty funny. Yeah, I bet I'll bet they were a big hit. Uh, anyway, uh, the most of the stuff for for that you did is behind a paywall for Top Drawer, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, so I'm was... hoping to put something together uh, and put it up on fifty five one. Just talking about the tournament overall and youth soccer and. What, what it means cool. uh, to have this kind of tournament here in Minnesota. Cool. Great. Well, let's take a music break. We'll go to big quarters, 
come back, and then it's Minnesota uh, United time. Welcome back to the 55 One Podcast. I'm Wes. I'm with I'm Bill. Bill. Oh, you did it. You preempted me. Uh, Minnesota United beat DC United, the Battle of the Crap Uniteds, and uh, for nothing, it was a, a thorough, basically uncontested sw- uh, spanking. Uh, what do you do? You want to start with the three stars? Where do you want to start? What what stood out? Because you were up in the press box, you were doing the You're up in the press box. At, the last time I was in the press box was against Houston, and Houston was a team that came in and knew we need to control the midfield. Minnesota has some qual has some decent midfielders in Cronin and Ibsen. If we can shut those two players down, there's nothing Minnesota can do offensively, and they did, and they did a fantastic job. Houston did. DC, on the other hand, just left loads of space for these players to just operate in. Um, you know, Cronin and Ibsen and even Molino in the number ten role had a fantastic games. Yeah. There, uh, they they were. Uh, they controlled the game most of the way. I think listening to Heath afterwards, he was right. Heath that they were a little lucky, and that the he he used the word flattered. The the scoreline yeah, flattered. Yeah, the scoreline flattered. Yeah, and I think that's true. Four zero. That was not a four zero win. It was a two zero win with a couple lucky goals. Um, yeah, know, but, I mean, the oh, the Jared Jeffrey own goal that that Miguel Forrest is a bit lucky, but. You know, sometimes sometimes you smack a ball in there and it goes off a guy. You know, well, and I think you, Bill Hamid should have probably saved uh, Abu Dinladi's goal, which was at the near post and low. I mean, that's that's the one you're supposed to get. Yes. So, yeah, DC United has a lot of things to fix, and uh, we're fortunate that Minnesota does not have quite as much that they need to deal with. The thing that I got from Heath afterwards, though, that Kind of put a lot of things in perspective, particularly the signings of Boxel, Nicholson, and Allen, where they they were a little disappointing. They aren't big names. They're international. You know, two of them are internationals, taking them international spots. One's alone. These weren't players that we would look at and go, "They're going to come in and really be the man on the pitch, make the team yeah. significantly better." But Heath has a point when he says competition matters. We know that these that everybody on the team cares. They want to do well. Yeah. You know, you, when they're out there, they're trying to do well. But it's hard. It's a grind when it's a nine month season and you're practicing week in and week out to keep up the intensity level. But when you have somebody behind you, it does matter. And watching how well Ibarra did that game, he played better than he has been. And uh, you know, every time I I am pretty. Uh... Skeptical or critical of Heath's kind of always raking Ibarra over the coals thing, but it seems to be working because every time there's kind of something that that goes on and and Ibarra tweeted out this kind of and this kind of vague uh, when things are getting down I'm gonna push myself up like the day before the game which anytime he does that you know that Heath reamed him out or something like that or if Heath told him you're not starting or something. Uh, you know, he kind of publicly uh, pumps himself up and gets himself uh, going again. You know, but Ibarra came on and, you know, he got he f- got forced a goal and then scored a goal in 
uh, in the 90 plus one minute. So I don't know. I guess that part's really working. Yeah, Heath is right. I mean, I think as observers of the team, you want them to sign better players. They don't have enough good players. Uh, they have they have some they have some solid players and you know about a dozen or so players that are quality MLS players, but they don't have enough of them. And so you want them to sign those better players, but there it Heath can get more out of them if they know that I don't know if I'm going to start. Yeah. I've got to keep pushing every uh, practice every week. And the the additional point is that we're always talking uh, on this podcast on the website about the team's lack of depth, right? And some of that was signings that haven't uh, paired, uh, you know, panned out. Some of it is injuries and things like that. And some of it, you know, various reasons. But um, if they can now fill out their depth again uh, for the rest of this season, make a couple, probably, I think, assume a couple more signings are coming. Uh, Heath is hoping. He mentioned it in the, that yeah. he's hoping that there'd be a couple more. And I more know that there's still ongoing scouting trips going on right now, but people are, are traveling um, and so, you know, a few more players come in and then in the off season, you can add three really good players, you know, um, then, then hopefully they're not signing more Nicholson signings. They're signing these players that we don't know about that are going to be exciting, right? That the, uh, 22 year old Argentinian kid or something like that. We're not going to get that guy, but no. Be- better players, but um, back to the game just a little bit. Uh, the the three stars that we had were Dunlady, uh, Tayson, and Molino. Tayson is coming had a had his baby the day before, um, so I hope that he got some time off of training this week. Yeah, he didn't train on Friday. Okay, and he he mentioned he didn't get any sleep. Yeah, for a couple of nights and still yeah. came out and played. A great game. Yeah, he was fantastic. You know, I mean, obviously, DC United didn't challenge them. Yeah. Um, but Tiasan was still solid in the back. Yeah. Uh, I thought Cronin as well was would, would have been one of my uh, three stars because I, I thought he just kept on breaking up play. His passing is better than I think we give him credit for because he's not he's not taking the Ibsen uh, level passes, but he is he does find people and. Uh, was it the first goal? I think it was the first goal. Um, he had this really great pass into Molino, who then had a really great pass into Ramirez. And It's exactly what we've been missing. The team, at least, has been missing the last couple of weeks with no a lack of connection. Yeah. It, it had been a month since the team had scored. And it, they Ramirez just couldn't get opportunities he and was not getting the service yeah. he needed he wasn't connecting to people very well and they weren't connecting to him and so we finally finally got that and christian's first goal was a spectacular it was a christian ramirez special uh, you know just on the half volley just launching it past hamid uh, molino did you know i think was was back it, both his assists were were well well done i think the thing that i liked about molino's play is having watched him in practice occasionally, having watched him in games, he thinks shoot first. And that game against DC United was one of the first times I've seen him go look pass first rather than look shoot. And it helped him and it helped the team. 
Yeah. Because when you're in the number 10 role, you're not necessarily supposed to be taking as many shots. You should be distributing, finding the players yeah. that are in a position to take the shot. But as, as we said, a lot of a lot of his success was DC United's craftness, and they really were craft. Um, Sam Nicholson, I don't know if you have any thoughts on him. I didn't see him do anything. I, I he didn't he just seemed like another Ibarra, you know. And so I think eventually we'll see maybe something more come out of him. But he didn't seem a step up or below Ibarra. It just was like here's another guy who kind of does the similar stuff. And I think that's true of Boxel too. Yeah. He's another player that does basically what Coleman does. Okay. Maybe with a little bit more experience in a different way. Which is fine right now. Do do you get the sense that Boxall is being treated as a center back, and he's not? I, I know that we're still like missing players, and so I'm wondering if um, he eventually will be moved out to the right and to let. When I talked to him uh, right after he he was announced, he did not. He had played right back in South Africa. Okay. But his place is as a center back. Okay. Inter- internationally with New Zealand, he's playing as a three-man center back, which right. in some ways, as much as it would depress me as a fan, because it would be kind of an admission that we're not that the team is not looking to score. Yeah, they're looking to get grind out zero zero one one draws or possibly a one zero win. It would make sense against some of the teams they're facing, and having that flexibility of a player who is uh, has a lot of experience in that three-man back would be helpful and the the real problem of that is the only way to make a three-man back line work for this team is to put calvo as the the left because we don't have a a, a good enough per, the, that wing back position is so important drome is not good enough to play that um none of the other people uh can play it calvo can but then you've got to put you know you've got to put taylor Coleman, and boxall on the back line, and maybe, maybe that could work, but it doesn't seem to me like a position of strength you're entering there. I think that there's better ways to, to, to get that across. But um, I don't think this team, even the the four two three one that they're playing, they still have to put Joe at the left back. And I've gotten asked before the press conference, and I saw somebody ask this, why Joe over Davis? And the basic... Answer is Heath does not favor Davis. Yeah. Heath does not think Davis is a quality player, and that's what I've gotten every time I've asked about Davis. Um, it's always been like, yeah, he seemed to be pretty good. He, for example, Heath said when uh, Davis was playing center back, yeah, he played center back better than he played le- left back, which kind of tells you something about yeah. what he think, how he thinks Davis is doing as a yeah. left back. And so I think we're going to see a lot more Joe at left back. Um, it's not because they think Joe is a future left back or anything. It's just he's the best player they have to put in that position right now. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's cut to Grant Wall. So I spoke to Grant Wall. Talked to him about Grant Wall Day. I'll explain for people who did not do not understand this. I'll explain it in the call again. It's kind of fuzzy, so I apologize for the quality. But I was really glad that I got to. Just shoot the shit with Grant.
All right. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to be joined by Grant Wall from Sports Illustrated, uh, uh, now infamous in Minnesota and uh, and bravely coming on the 551 <laughs> podcast. Thank you, Grant, for, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Wes. Yeah. So I, I, I should start off by um, uh, asking how you celebrated the first annual Grant Wall Day. Um, did you did you do anything special for it? Did you did your family get together a meal and and uh, you know watch Minnesota or something? You know, it's interesting because I've I've been on book leave since mid May, so I honestly am so buried in book writing right now, trying to write a book in three and a half months that. Uh, I'm not really doing my typical job. So I'm not following things that closely in the soccer world, except I do keep up with scores. Like on the MLS app on my phone, I saw this past weekend that uh, Minnesota was hosting DC United and it didn't take an Einstein to think that this might be finally Minnesota's chance after waiting a little while to get win number six. And, uh, so one thing I've done during my book leave is I've taken Twitter off my phone, which actually is like the most liberating, wonderful thing <laughs> I've done in a long time. And I'm a much happier person now, but um, I still have my account and I you know, still can go on on the uh, laptop. So I, I actually was not aware of what was happening on Saturday night. But first thing Sunday morning, uh, I take one day off a week from writing the book and that's Sunday. And so I thought maybe I should check to see what the score was and see what might've come my way on, on Twitter from my good friends in Minnesota. And uh, sure enough, there was uh, a four nothing win, which was very impressive and, uh, and a fair amount of uh, friendly banter from everyone there and much deserved, I might add. Uh, I'm glad people got a kick out of it. And and then when I saw the scarf, which you had sent me a picture of, that was like the greatest thing ever. And that totally made my day. And, and I couldn't stop giggling all morning, really. So, uh, you know, uh, the, um, the, the quote from this, you know, back, this was way back in October. You, you, I think, were probably sitting down for what felt like would be a relaxing write because it was just a, one of your semi-regular Q&A mailbags with your readers. And um, one reader asked you for your over-under on Minnesota United wins for 2017. And you wrote, and I'll, I'll just read this a little bit. Um, I can't tell you how many coaches, GMs, and agents there are who are saying Minnesota in its first year might be one of the worst teams in MLS history on the field. And then break. Anyway, to answer your question, Chicago and Houston have the lowest number of wins in the MLS at seven. Over under for Minnesota is in 2017 is five. And that that last part is particularly what what became uh, uh, infamous. And so I, I guess my 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 real question here is, would you like to apologize to Minnesotans? <laughs> um, you know, for a, a prediction of this nature i haven't thought about it um you know i mean in a sense if i felt like minnesotans were deeply aggrieved and i and this made them very angry then by all means yes um you know i guess i'm tickled about the fact that uh there was a lot of passion invested in this comment um you know, it's it's funny because this was from a mailbag column uh, 
I guess back last fall. And yeah, in October. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it was a pretty straightforward question, which was I think it came down to how do you think Minnesota United will do? And uh you know, I, I do lots of different things. One of them is kind of insider reporting for, for Fox Sports Television and for Sports Illustrated. And I think what I wrote was basically, I've talked to a lot of people around MLS, general managers, agents, people at other clubs. And just by the way that Minnesota United was putting together the team, more than one, quite a few people had said that Minnesota could be really bad when they started playing just because of the way people saw this, the club was not getting a quick start on things that were pretty important. And that wasn't even necessarily the roster, but just stuff on getting things off the ground. Yeah. And, and that's actually that part really uh, interested me because, you know, you are obviously far more connected than I am, but uh, the amount of people I, I would talk to around the league uh, and around, around the, the U S um, even, even people in USL were, were, were saying similar things, you know, mm-hmm. that things look bad. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what sort of things concerned people or what were they scoffing at? What, what types of things were they mentioning? Um, just in terms of, you know, it took a long time to get a coach. Um, I think there were comparisons made to Atlanta, and I think it probably hurt Minnesota a little bit at that time that it was coming in at the same time as another expansion team, and so those kinds of comparisons were going to be made. And obviously there's different circumstances in each city um, and different priorities in each city. Uh, what struck me, I guess, though, was that you know, really smart, successful GMs and MLS were saying this could be the wor- one of the worst teams in the history of the league. And so I don't usually hear that about yeah. expansion teams or any teams. And so as part of my answer, I, I, you know, I wrote that. Um, and I would love to say that my mailbag columns are these great Pulitzer Prize winning pieces, but like, you know, I crank these things, I crank most mailbags out in a period of a couple of hours. It's usually yeah. something that I'll do if I haven't done one in a while and I've got a magazine story or, you know, other stuff that I'm working on and they would like to have some content from me. It's not to say it's a throwaway or anything, but. Sure, um, but, but you certainly weren't expecting the the gravity. You know, it, it's something where you you, you could have written. Pre- there wasn't maybe enough to write a, a full article on. Will this be the worst team of all time? But correct. enough to uh, enough to to that it wasn't just some guy shooting his mouth uh, off and and saying that they thought Minnesota was going to be terrible. You know, right? It's kind of like Brian Strauss at Sports Illustrated, and I talk about this sometimes about how. You know, not everything you do, you're attempting to hit a home run with, and you want to be attempting to hit home runs. That's bad if you stop trying to hit home runs from time to time, but you're going to try and hit some singles and doubles. Well, this mailbag was basically attempting to hit a single or a double. <laughs> and and I, 
where going back, just looking at it, I mean, like the part about the possibility of Minnesota being one of the worst teams in league history was kind of true for the first several games of the season. They were pretty horrible, especially on the defensive end. And, and yet making the leap from that to over a 34 game league season, this team is going to be one of the worst teams in league history and is going to win no more than five games. Clearly I learned my lesson here. I mean, like that's, that's a big leap. And, you know, there's some pretty bad teams in MLS history. I, you know, the DC United team that I think they won three league games that one year that they happened to actually win the U S open cup as well. Um, Yeah, that's kind of the gold standard for bad MLS teams. And they weren't even an an expansion team. Um, So I got to give a ton of credit to to Minnesota for for recognizing some of the problems. And they were big problems and fixing some of them, especially on the defensive end. Now, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves and say this is like some amazing team because it's not, but like they're certainly better than uh, the doom and gloom predicted by people like me. Yeah. Well, uh, did, did you um, get uh, like kind of back channel uh, feedback from, from people from the club or did you get uh, a response that, that surprised you? Um, not really. I had a kind of a fun exchange of messages with Manny Lagos at one point. Okay. Um, that was in, I think, good fun. Uh, and uh, I guess what I would say is, is that you can't take yourself so seriously, whether you're me or him or anybody, that you would get really bent out of shape, I don't think or feel like this was some sort of lack of respect. I mean, like that's part of my job is to answer questions. And and I'm from Kansas city originally. So um, I grew up in a place where I think a lot of fans were sensitive about uh, New York writers and sports media people saying idiotic things. And so you're sensitive for stuff like that, and I get it. I, my guess is Minnesota is probably not all that different from Kansas City in, in that sense. So, um, you know, you're going to be wrong from time to time. I'm very happy that the folks in Minnesota have responded this way. It's it's put a smile on my face, and and I look forward to getting out there and having a beer with you guys at some point. Well, and, and picking up the uh, the the Grant Wall scarf that um I, I <laughs> that when I saw it go up as well, you know I. I sent you the picture, but I, it completely surprised me. So <laughs> it, secret merch that came out that said, uh, you know, nothing grant wall. And then on the other side, the North remembers. So you get in your own game way. of Thrones scarf. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a weird way, it's like one of the most proud achievements of my career. When someone <laughs> would go to the trouble to, to make a scarf with your name on now. Yes. They're, they're killing me, but like, still that's awesome. <laughs> well, just knock that one off. Anytime, you know, your fellow writers, you can tell Brian Strauss that he hasn't, uh, he has not yet inspired this level. Not even Alexi Lawless has has inspired this level of, uh, of uh, 
animosity. So, you know, I want to I want to finish by just asking you a little bit. You said you've been on a book hiatus. Uh, I'm, I'm sure your your head is completely uh, underwater with that. How has that been going? And uh, when can we expect to hear something about what what this book is going to be? Well, hopefully very soon here, there's going to be uh, kind of the first public announcement of what the book is. It's set to come out next spring. It's about soccer. It's going to come out ahead of the World Cup. Um, and I've been traveling around uh, reporting it for the last two two years, basically. Um, and had a four-month book lead start May 15th. I've been writing six days a week, uh, nine, ten hours a day. And uh, about two thirds of the way through the writing part, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Actually, I learned a lot on it, and hopefully, my readers will learn a lot as well. Um, it's been a while since my first book, The Beckham Experiment, came out in '09, and so I've been waiting to finally have a summer to have the time to do something like this. And this was one of the quieter summers probably the quietest summer of the four-year cycle in terms of the tournaments that were happening were a Confederations Cup without the U.S., a B-team Gold Cup. Right. Um, and so I was able to take the time off. And it's been uh, very fulfilling, very intense. Uh, I'm the kind of guy that the part of the writing process I enjoy the most is being done. <laughs> so I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, looking forward to to getting there. Usually, the part that every writer enjoys is um, talking about what they're going to write. That's usually the most enjoyable part. Then uh, anything actually involving involving the writing is is the worst part. So. Well, I want to um, say thank you uh, for for everything. It, it's been very fun uh, going back and forth, and 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 uh, this entire ever since last October when that came out. Um, I just want to say thank you uh, for for all the banter, for everything, and and uh, best of luck with the book. And I hope to see you out at a Minnesota game sometime once the once the book part is behind you and you can actually uh, breathe again. I'd love that. Thanks a lot, Wes. All right, thank you. Welcome back to the 551 podcast. Thank you to Grant. I know he listens to us every week. Uh, um, but that that was a, a fun conversation. You have no idea. You still have not heard it until you really No, it was a fun. fantastic conversation. Yeah, you loved it. I thought you were really incisive. And Grant Wall, I mean, you really put Grant Wall on yeah. his heels. Actually, know? what's funny is because I lost him twice with this brand new app that is supposed to get us great quality, uh, I lost him twice. And so I was doing this long setup and then I, I uh, put it in. I, it's in the interview where I say, you know, do you want to apologize? And there was silence. And I was like, Grant, 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 crap. So that is, so that's the, the magic of editing is you, none of you hopefully will notice. Well, now that I've told you where I had to edit things. Um, so Twitter questions, Colin Solberg starts us off with, should we expect a Joe Martin, Nicholson, all these young guys the rest of the season versus vets like, uh, well, he says Ibsen, Ibarra, etc. Um, Ibsen, Birch, Ibarra. Um, 
I don't know if you have any thoughts. I think that there's a tendency that I always see this come out like, well, if we're going to lose, why not play the young players, right? Why not get them out there? But I always, I think that that's like a terrible, like you don't get young players better by just throwing them out there together and having their, them get just beaten. Um, you, you, you can give some more time to other people if you know that you're not chasing a playoff spot, which eventually may happen. But He's not, the last day, game of the season, he's not throwing out Patrick McLean and all these kids. Well, McLean's not a kid, but I don't know. Do you have any? Well, part of it is Minnesota really doesn't have many kids on the roster. Yeah, Martin. Uh, Dunlady. Well, they're not even kids. I mean, they're 22 years old. I mean, yes, they don't have yeah. a lot of MLS experience, but when m- most of the time when you talk about kids in soccer, you're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Minnesota just doesn't have it. Yeah. And Ibarra, he's what, 27? 20, he's 26. 26. Yeah, yeah. 20, I, I mean, he's, yeah. he's... He's not a kid. I think more important for Heath will be making sure the team is as competitive for as long as possible. Yeah. And seeing who he feels comfortable sticking with next season. I know it seems like Heath has the vote of confidence from the front office... And we'll be around for next season, which is fine for continuity. Yeah. But I think, so he's going to be looking at the players thinking, who can I, who do I want to keep? Who do I want to get rid of? Yeah. And there, there will be a lot of players yeah. that are going to be gone. And even if, even if we're not fighting for a playoff spot, Heath is still want, wants to win every game. Because he needs to have as much confidence from the fans and the front office as possible. I mean, you look at how much grief the front office got when they started the season ticket renewal in the midst of a terrible slump right. by the team. Yeah. They, you know, they need to win. Yeah. So, uh, Jim at New School says, can Minnesota score when they don't have a badly deficient left back to victimize? He's, that's a Taylor Kemp uh, subtweet. Uh, it wasn't just the left back. Yes. Yeah. The entire team. team. Yeah. Um, uh, United. Josh Thompson says, is Boxall Calvo's uh, center back partner going forward, even when Coleman returns from suspension? Uh, and then he asked about the three-man three, three man back line, which we talked about. But I, I know from what I've seen, the very little I've seen, I don't see a big difference between the two, and I think Heath likes that. I think Heath likes knowing that he's got three center backs that he can feel fairly confident in putting yeah. any of them in. And Taylor, on top of it, who... Is a competent center back too, so he he did well enough with Jamaica. You know, yeah, the, yeah. At the town hall, uh, uh, Lagos mentioned that he that they felt pretty comfortable with their defense. I'm not sure if he was including left back in that, but he, they do have a pretty decent MLS caliber defense right now. Yeah, and so I think I I think we'll see a lot of see those players switching off. Yeah. As the season goes on. Um, uh, United Loons. Uh, oh, we already asked that question in a different mm-hmm. form. Um, Michael Deneen says, Would you have given Alvboga another chance at Minnesota United FC? I already responded on Twitter that I would have signed him as the social media manager. Uh, mascot. I don't care. I want him. I don't want him to go. Um, no. It's going to be sad. Uh, Jezza Penguin, who has been like sending in questions in t- like ever since the Dunord days, and I finally met after the game the other night. Um, I still don't know his real name, but Jezza Penguin, 
why have there been Pablo si- uh, Campos signings in sightings in Minnesota lately? And then he asks about the Beckham bid combining with Silva and Miami FC. I don't I don't have any thoughts on that. But Pablo Campos, have you seen him since? I have not personally seen him, but I mean he's been met, talking about it on Twitter a lot. He is good friends with McGuire. Yeah, he, so. he and Doctor Bell are are are, are buddies. Um, he certainly, you know, he was like working on this, uh, like, uh, Twitter campaign to kind of get him to be signed for to so he could retire a loon. I love Pablo Campos. It kind of looked weird for him to be doing that. There's no way he's going to get signed to do that. Um, they're not going to sign him for 65, 60, whatever the minimum is, just because they need they can get Brandon Allen in it. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope that they find something for him to do. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he obviously loves the club. I think a lot of people continue to love him. Uh, but, yeah, that was that is, has been kind of weird. Um, Dal Kiri, I don't know how, how to say that Twitter handle. Um, do you think Ibsen will be around for a while? Because I'm thinking of naming our new puppy after him. Uh, he'll be around another year. At least, yeah. But, um, I, I mean, I would never, like, the same thing if you're thinking of getting a shirt, never have it, like, if your idea is this person's going to be around a while, the answer is always no. So, I would instead just go with someone you know is going to be a legend for a long time, right? So, Calvo, even if we sell him next year, is still going to be, having a Calvo shirt is still good, right? Ibarra, Steel. Ramirez, yeah, Johnny Steele. Always go Johnny Steele. It's just a classic. I still love seeing Johnny Steele. It, the the team had so many extra <laughs> Johnny Steele. Yeah, the, those jerseys like were being sold for like basically pennies. They're paying people. Yeah. To take them. Matt Axelson asks, uh, any NASL guys you think the loons could should snipe? Says, uh, you know, obviously Nazir Abdawi is is drawing attention. Um, any other realistic targets if you're a, a GM? I mean, I, I haven't been following NSL close enough to be able to really pinpoint players that I'd say, yes, sign these players. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if a USL or NSL couple players got looks in the offseason, but they will not be signed now because they're under contract and MLS teams just do not pay transfer fees to NSL or USL sides. Yeah. Um, so at liquid mind one oh one says, uh, do you think Mr. Wes, uh, Dr. Wes, uh, to you, liquid mind, um, for next season asking about, do we need big name signings much like Kaká, Javinko, Schweinsteiger? Um, I mean, there, Schweinsteiger is maybe the, a better, uh, example, um, because, we're never getting a Kaká or Giovinco, right? These guys are way too big. Minnesota, like when they want to come to MLS, they're going to be like L.A., New York, Miami, everywhere else, screw off. Schweinsteiger is a little bit different because he was kind of older coming in, might have been able to be gotten by a Minnesota. Do you have any thoughts? Are you a, are you a pro big name that they'll pay them? They'll pay back in jersey sales or whatever no they never pay back in jersey sales but there is a limited attention particularly in the twin cities there are uh four other major men's pro teams uh women's team that's fantastic in the 
Minnesota Lynx, and gophers. the Gophers. Yeah. And so you've got to compete for uh, a newspaper space. I think we, we were looking at the Star Tribune. It was, the write-up was on page 10 of the Sunday yeah. sports section. They're, they A big signing would go a long way to getting that front page. Um, yeah. But at the same time, from a sporting standpoint, I'd rather see them sign a quality international player that can contribute for a number of years similar to i think what sporting kansas city has done with a number of their players you know it doesn't need to be players that we that you necessarily know about but when you find out about them you go oh they have had a pretty good career yeah and and also a, a team like minnesota will need to become a selling club and players like calvo are exactly the kind of guys that we can get them, keep them for a couple of years, and then, you know, develop other players who are going to be here longer. Um, Dustin uh, Fetty asks, uh, knowing the club is hesitant to go for broke on a DP, what position is it easiest to find developed for this club? I assume as a as a DP, right? So striker, center back. Um, I think they were referring more to kind of the approach of, Oh, Signing oh, a player not as a DP level and then having them right. So doing the doing what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we're talking, there aren't that many DPs outside of the big playmaking positions, right? Um, so if you want to find a player who will then develop into a DP, it is going to be, or someone you sell off, it's going to be one of those attacking players, mm-hmm. center backs are really hard to find. And so um, if you do find um, Omar Gonzalez was this way, Matt Beasler was the other way, guys who become long-term players for a club who then can become DPs because they are that valuable to you, replacing them would be hard. There is that. Yeah, I think think you're looking more defensively. Um, You know, right now the U.S., if you're talking about developing a player, oftentimes you're talking about signing a player who has played in the United States or Canada for a while. Yeah. And you're just... There are some real values there. There's values everywhere in soccer. Um, it takes a really good scouting system to be able to find those yeah. and exploit them, I think. Um, last question from Steve Lilly, uh, which is, what am I missing about Molino? Um, everything. Steve, everything. Uh, no, I, th- I think he, you know, f- followed up by saying, uh, you know, with Dave Leidig going back and forth on Twitter and uh, pointing out that he loses possession a lot. Um, and I think uh, then, then th- this conversation turned to our number 10s tend to lose possession a lot, right? When Johan was there, Molino. And I wonder if there's something about that being why we're not connecting well with Ramirez, right? Is Ramirez not, is his movement not good enough? Is something else not happening? Are we not able to shuttle the ball around that these players feel like they have to play with the ball at their feet or, you know, keep the ball at their feet rather than finding the best pass or something? I, I don't know if you have any thoughts there. I think it's it's interesting because Molino has had terrible games at number 10 and has had good games at number 10. And, and, same thing on the wings and I think it goes it really shows how much 
this soccer is a team game and you're reliant on the players around you being in the right position because they can create spaces for you to play into, uh, to pass into, to dribble into as a number 10. Uh, same thing with your opponents, the quality of your opponents. If you're going up against a team with a solid uh, defensive midfielder, the number 10 is going to have a harder game than against a team like DC United, who I don't know if they had a midfield. Yeah. And so it's it's really hard to kind of figure out exactly what's what is the problem with the attack um, because it's not just one simple thing. But I think it's clear that we do not have a player who can say, no matter who we're facing, I'm going to be able to create something. Yeah. No matter who I'm playing with, I'm going to be able to create something. And we'll see if Minnesota ever has that. Yeah. Um, well, we've come to the end uh, on on the 55.1 podcast. Where can we find you on Twitter? I'm at uh, Bill M underscore MK okay. on Twitter. Great. And uh, I'm at MN Nice FC. Thank you, Bill. It was good to chat with you about soccer. Thank you, everyone. We will see you. Uh, there's a Seattle game this weekend. I guess we should have said that, but... It's probably Minnesota's best chance at a win until September, so. Well, we're screwed, if that's the case. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and we'll see you soon.